what held me back for so long was fear of this huge change. It feels like such a leap going from a job you hate to work you love, but there are a million tiny baby steps that you can take along the way that will get you closer. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you overcome the challenges of making a major career change. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you figure out the steps you can take to move on in your career and make your professional ambitions a reality. In each episode, we'll be speaking with people who have an inspiring career story to share, learning from the brave leaps they took to pursue something new and helping you find the clarity, confidence, and courage to make your own brave decisions that improve your career and life. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to careerrelaunch.net where you can listen to all the latest episodes and get more useful resources to help you navigate your own career journey. Today, my guest is going to talk about how she opens new doors in her career, shifting from her editorial role at the George Washington University Medical Center in Washington, D.C., to eventually becoming the editor-at-large at The Muse in New York City. We'll talk about taking charge of your career trajectory, building career bridges, and networking for introverts. Afterwards, I'll share my thoughts on taking a patient, strategic approach to reshaping your career. Hello and welcome. Now, before we start with today's interview, for any listeners in the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm going to be back in my old neighborhood in a couple weeks, and I wanted to let you know about a free event I'm hosting there if you want to learn more about what it takes to relaunch your career. On the evening of Thursday, June 1st, I'm giving a talk at the General Assembly offices in the Financial District of San Francisco on managing the emotions of changing careers. I'll be explaining the seven stages of career change, debunking some career change myths, and also sharing some insights from a few of my podcasts guests on how to successfully overcome the common barriers to making a change. So if you're free on the evening of Thursday, June 1st, you can come by to hear my talk, ask me any questions you have, or just network with other people afterwards. I hosted a similar event in London last month, and I really enjoyed connecting with listeners like you face-to-face, so I'd love for you to come by so I can meet you. You can register to join the event for free at careerrelaunch.net slash June 2017. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash June 2017. You can also go to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash career relaunch, or you can go to the events tab for the registration link. Okay, on to today's interview. My guest on today's show is Adrian Granzella Larson, the first employee and founding editor of The Muse, a career platform that's helped more than 50 million people find and succeed at their dream jobs. Now she serves as The Muse's editor-at-large, is a nationally recognized career expert, and helps other early-stage startups create content that readers truly love. Now, Adrian's someone I'm really excited to feature on the show, not only because she comes with a wealth of practical career advice you can find in a lot of her articles, but also because her own professional trajectory is a great illustration of how you can proactively take control of where your career is heading. She spoke with me from New York City. Well, hello, Adrian, and welcome to Career Relaunch. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Okay, so you have written a lot of really useful career articles with some solid career advice, and I'm definitely hoping to touch on some of those topics during our chat. But we are here to talk about change, and I know that you've had a few changes recently in both your life and your career. So could you just kick us off by giving us a glimpse into how things have evolved for you over the past couple months? Yeah, so I have been at the Muse for about five and a half years, and I joined the company as the very first employee. So have seen it grown from literally zero to about 150 employees through all kinds of stages of growth. And 
I was hired to run the editorial team, served as managing editor and then editor in chief. And I've recently transitioned into a new role there, which is a part-time editor at large role. And what that means is I'm going to be spending time on creative projects some strategy, translating our content into all kinds of new vehicles and some press like this, like this wonderful podcast. So I'm really excited to be making this change and, and to be talking about change because it's what I am going through currently. Now, you are the very first editor that I've had on Career Relaunch, Adrian. And for those out there who are interested in understanding the world of journalism a little bit, can you explain exactly what an editor-in-chief does? So it looked a little bit different during my time at The Muse, but basically it entailed overseeing all of the content production and marketing at The Muse. So we published about 50 articles a week and the editor in chief is the one who makes sure all of that content is assigned, all of that content is in production, and then all of that content is produced in the best way possible so that when readers see it on the site, it is the best possible writing, it's the best possible story, the best possible advice, and then the best possible title and photo and SEO optimization and lots of little things that readers don't typically think about, but that make a lot, make a big difference when it comes to getting it out there into the world. Now, I know you haven't always been at the Muse, Adrian. So I was wondering if you could just take us back in time to your life in Washington, D.C. when you were at the George Washington University. And maybe you could tell us briefly about what you were up to there. And then I definitely want to come back to some of the work that you're doing here at the Muse at the very end and then also talk about some of your own projects. Previously, I was in a very, very different role. I was at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., and running online communications for their health center. GW, for me, was actually a bridge job, and it helped me change careers. So prior to GW, I had been in marketing roles, and I realized that marketing was really not what I wanted to do. But I didn't really know how to get out of marketing and into a more editorial role. So I ended up taking a job at GW. I was hired as a marketing manager, but I used that experience and that time there to sort of transition and pivot my career into editorial. So the department that I worked for also put out the medical center's publications. So in addition to my work as a marketing manager, I would kind of, you know, go over to the publications team and say, hey, you guys seem really busy. Is there anything that I could help you with? Could I, you know, maybe write an article for the newsletter, maybe write an article for the magazine? And ultimately, that turned into me doing a lot of that work, a lot of writing and editing work, and then ultimately kind of pivoted into being the editor of the magazine. And then ultimately, that led to my final role there, which was running the, the online communications, overseeing websites and the content on those websites. When I hear that, it sounds like quite a seamless transition, but I'd imagine that it's not the easiest thing to make a, a pivot within an organization from the function you've been hired into, into a new function that aligns with your interests. How did you go about uncovering this new opportunity while also keeping your day job going? I felt very lucky to have an organization that was supportive of me taking on other projects. I know it's not always so easy in every organization. And a lot of people don't want to give up their work or let somebody else take something else on. And in my case, everyone was very, very supportive and, and under-resourced and strapped. And so people were, were happy to have the help. It's a big time suck and energy suck to do 
work on top of the job that you were hired for. And it took work outside of, of work hours and really putting a lot of time and energy into this. It's not something that you can just do from nine to five or nine to six. Also during this time, I was freelance writing for other sites, which is what ultimately led me to my job at the Muse. But that too, you know, there were a lot of nights and weekends that I wasn't relaxing. I wasn't hanging out with my friends. I was doing this extra work in some cases and not being paid for it. But that was necessary to translate kind of what I was doing then into what I ultimately wanted to be doing. And how did you know that you wanted to get into journalism? It was one of those things that I sort of always knew. I just tried not to pay attention to because I didn't know any other writers. I didn't know any editors. I didn't know anyone who had made a successful career in this field. And I just had this idea in my head that I think a lot of people do that, oh, well, writers can't make any money. You know, I can't find a writing job with good benefits. That's not true at all. And when I finally started thinking about what am I going to do for the rest of my career that's not marketing, this idea of writing just kept kind of coming up. And what I ended up doing and what was really helpful was I took a few classes and took online classes through Media Bistro. I don't know if they have them anymore, but it's an approach I recommend to everyone for a couple of reasons. I think first you kind of interact in that world. So all of a sudden I was talking to and working with people who were writers or editors or trying to be writers or editors and sort of understood more about what that career path might look like. I also understood more about what type of writing and editing I like to do. So I took a personal essay writing class. I took a beauty writing class. I took an ad copywriting class. And as I was sort of doing the assignments and the homework, I understood more about what I liked and what I didn't like. And I kept doing more of what I liked. And that was really helpful in sort of figuring out what this career path could look like. Yeah, that's interesting. I know one of the articles you wrote, which I thought was really good, was about how to get experience in a new field without starting at the bottom, I think was the title. And you mentioned doing things like getting a side gig or doing some exploration on the side. It sounds like that was really fruitful for you to dip your toe in the water with some of these different classes. And it seems so effective to do that. And yet I know that some people don't seem to make the time or or don't seem to go down that road. What do you think stops people from taking that step? I think the time and energy factor is a big one. You know, you come home from work at the end of the day and you're exhausted and you, you know, still need to go to the gym and go to the grocery store and see your family or call your mom. And there's a very real time hurdle there. But I think one of the biggest things that holds people back and definitely was true for me was this fear of getting started, this fear of putting yourself out there, this fear of doing something different, this fear of what if I do this different thing, this thing that I have said for a long time I've wanted to do, and I don't like that, or I'm not good at it, or I fail at it, right? It's sort of easier to kind of sit in your job and say, oh, I'm not happy. I really want to be a writer. And maybe someday that'll happen. That's pretty easy. Actually making steps to do that, to put yourself out there, to become a writer is really hard. And that held me back for a really long time. During your role there as the managing editor at George Washington University, what happened next for you? 
I started freelance writing for other sites on the side. And it was actually through that experience that I met Catherine and Alex, the founders of The Muse. So they had a site previous to The Muse and a friend of a friend introduced us and I started doing some work for them. And ultimately they closed down that site and they started The Muse and sent me an email one day and said, we're starting this thing. We need a full-time managing editor. Do you want to do it? So the opportunity really did fall in my lap at a point that I maybe was not yet ready to make a big move, but it was an opportunity I knew I couldn't pass up. So it sounds like this was one of those things that came up, not through some sort of a job posting or anything, but just through, I guess, networking, right? Exactly. Yeah. I did not apply for this job. I don't think Catherine and Alex had ever seen my resume. At the time I was living in San Francisco, they were living in New York. We had worked together and sort of emailed and, and Skyped and worked together, but it was purely online. I hadn't met them in person, but it absolutely was the networking that got me to meet them in the first place. And I tell this story a lot because I think people tend to think, oh, I have to meet the people who are doing exactly what I want to be doing and only consider a certain subset of people their network. The woman who introduced me to Catherine and Alex was a friend of my husband's from law school. She has nothing to do with what I do. She has nothing to do with what Catherine and Alex do. She purely just knew someone who she thought I should meet. And it just goes to show that your network and the people who can help you reach your goals or get you to where you want to be could be anyone. They could be friends. They could be your parents' friends. They could be your hairstylist sister. It could be anyone. And the more people you talk to about your goals and, and what you're trying to achieve, the bigger your network becomes. I couldn't help but read one of your articles where you called yourself a card-carrying introvert. <laughs> and uh, you know, I myself am an introvert. And I'll tell you, Adrian, I, don't, I wouldn't say that networking necessarily comes naturally to me. Do you have any advice for introverts out there who maybe understand the importance of networking, but just can't quite bring themselves to do it. Is there anything that worked well for you? Networking does not come naturally to me. And the idea of walking into a networking event and introducing myself to strangers makes me break out in a sweat. <laughs> I, I hate it. I'm more comfortable with it now than I was five years ago, but I still, it will never be my preferred state of being. I hate mm -hmm. it. <laughs> so <laughs> that, however, is not the only version of networking. So what I tell people like me is to find the version of networking that works for you. So I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coffee meetings or I do really small, intimate dinners. And I've done this with a couple of groups of people where I find a friend who sort of has a similar goal or is in a similar world. And we both invite two or three other people. And then we have a really kind of small, intimate dinner party. And that is a great way to meet new people and have really deep, interesting conversations with people, which is absolutely a form of networking. It's not the walking into a room and, and introducing myself to strangers. And actually, in, in some ways, it's more effective. So you decide that you're going to shift over to the Muse. Now, I know that that also involved a geographical change for you. What were some of the challenges, if any, that you faced when you were transitioning from one role in one sector to another role in a different type of company, a different type of organization, a different city, and a slightly different role? 
we were a completely remote company when we started. So I was in San Francisco. The founders were in New York. They actually came to San Francisco for about a year when the Muse was going through Y Combinator. And then I moved to LA, the company moved to New York, and I sort of kicked and screamed for a couple of years before ultimately making the move to New York. What was your hesitation in doing that? I really love life in California. I love sunshine. I hate winter. I had a great community, group of friends there. My family's there. And I thought New York life would be hard. And it is in certain ways, but I actually love it much more than I thought I would. For me, it was really refreshing. And I sort of felt like for the first time, this is the environment that I belong in. This is the type of work environment I want. This is the type of work I want to do, the type of coworkers I want, the type of relationship with coworkers I want. I felt so, so happy. Certainly there were challenges for me there. You know, it was hard not having the resources that I was used to, not having an HR department or even health benefits at the beginning. So I think it's really important to do your research before you're making a move. So you're not completely blindsided in this new environment that you sort of have an understanding of what people like and don't like about those environments, whether you will like or not like your new environment, what to expect, sort of eliminate surprises before you get into that situation. Is there one particular tactic that you thought worked well for you to understand whether or not the Muse was going to be a good fit for you? I had a lot of conversations. I had a lot of conversations with Catherine and Alex about their working style and their expectations, their goals for the company. Talked to people who had worked with them before. Basically did a lot of research to understand, is this who I want to work with? Is this who I want to build a company with for the next several years? And I really just can't stress the importance of that enough. You are interviewing a company as much as they are interviewing you. I think especially in a startup when you're going to be working a lot, you're going to be working on a small team and you're going to be working through some pretty stressful times. It's really, really important to do that research. Now, it's interesting because you've got a really unique perspective, Adrian, because you've worked for a large medical facility in, in Washington, D.C. and focused on medical research. And now you're in, in much more of the startup world. Having been on both sides of the equation there, do you think that there are any sort of misconceptions or any sort of surprising things that you've found now that you've spent some time in the startup world, having been in the non-startup world before? I think people think that working for a startup has a certain element of glamour or excitement. And I would say excitement, certainly. Glamour, not so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially at early stage startups, it's pretty hard. The hours are pretty crazy. There are things you have to deal with like, okay, there's 12 of us at this company. No one is the office manager or the IT guy, but the internet just went out. So one of these 12 people (laughs) needs to solve the internet problem. And a lot of just jumping in and doing things that you might not be great at, or you might not be qualified for, or you might really not want to do, like sit on the phone with Comcast for an hour. Uh Um, There's a lot that that is hard and that's not glamorous, especially in the early days. Now, you were most recently in this role as editor-in-chief, but I know you made the decision to make a slight change in the nature of your role there, and now you're doing the part-time editor-at-large role. Was there any particular trigger or impetus to you 
making that shift in your role? I had been thinking a lot about it last year for a couple of reasons. The company was growing really, really fast, which is amazing. But I sort of prefer the early days and sort of preferred some of the work that I was doing earlier on in the company. And I wasn't really quite sure what that meant or what, or what I wanted to do with my role. So I actually spent the month of January in Southeast Asia. So the Muse has a wonderful sabbatical policy where after you've been there for five years, you can take a month off completely paid. So I took advantage of that, um, traveled around for four weeks. But it was the first time in my life that I hadn't worked at all while I was on vacation. And that sort of like had an interesting impact. So I came back and for a month I had pushed everything off my plate. So my team was completely doing everything that I normally did. And I came back and I sort of had to think about, okay, what are the things that I want to add back on my plate? And what are the things that should stay off my plate forever that someone else is actually better qualified for and enjoying more than I was? And as I started thinking about that, I started designing this new role and I realized these are the things that I'm really excited about and passionate about and, and think that I can add value in things like, you know, starting a new initiative or a new project creative strategy with our growing branded content team. And I really crafted a role around those things. And it was amazing. And it was amazing that the company was supportive of that. And I feel more energized than I have in a really long time. Was there anything that you did that you felt made those individuals in your company more receptive to the idea of you making a slight tweak? What I did was focus on not only what I liked doing, but where I thought that I added the most value. So for any boss to say yes to this sort of arrangement, it needs to be something that is equally as good for the company as it is for you or better for the company than it is for you. But pitching it as a business case, you know, not just this is what would make me happier. This is what I want to spend time on. But how will I be able to impact the business and the company in a bigger, better way? If you can do that, then there's a much better chance of the powers that be going for it. For other people who are thinking about making a career change, do you have any advice that you would like to share with people who are maybe on the cusp of making that shift from doing work that they're not super thrilled about to something that they can feel super passionate about? Just start taking one tiny little baby step what held me back for so long was fear and fear of this huge monumental change. And it feels like such a leap going from a job you hate to work you love. But there are a million tiny baby steps that you can take along the way that will get you closer. So figure out what those baby steps are, whether it is just sitting down for coffee with someone who has a job that you really admire, or doing one tiny volunteer project for an organization you admire where you could use your skills in a different way or reading a book, something, whatever the smallest step that you could possibly take is do that step. And what I found is once you do that one step, it'll make the next one a little easier and the next one a little easier and you'll find some momentum there. It's that first step. That's the hardest. Do you have any tools or resources that you use to stay on track with your own career goals? So one of the things that I am doing right now is working through a book called The Artist's Way. So it was really important to me to start writing more. It's something that I love. I changed career paths to do more of. And then last year, I really wasn't doing it all. So 
I wanted to get started again, but I just couldn't figure out how to get started. And this book is all about kind of breaking through that fear and just getting back into the habits and the routines of a writer and sort of not judging the work that you're producing. So that has been really helpful for me this year in making progress towards my new goals. Finally, before we talk about your current projects, having been through this career change, Adrian, what's one thing that you've learned either about career change or even about yourself? The biggest thing I have learned is that careers are really long. I remember being, you know, 28 years old and feeling stuck and feeling like, well, I guess this is just what I'm going to do for the rest of my career. I guess I'm just going to be a marketer. And looking back, that was so wrong. You know, I was only a few years into my career, a career that's going to be hopefully 30 plus years long. And it's never too late to make a change. There's a lot of road in front of you. So it's important not to feel stuck, to feel like there's always something that you can do. It's never too late to try something new. There's a long road ahead. Okay. So I want to wrap up, Adrian, with what you're doing now, because I know you've got a few interesting things going on. And I was wondering if we could start with the Muse first. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're focused on at the Muse? And I know that specifically you're expanding your content into other formats, and I think you've got a new book coming out. Yes. So the two things that I'm really, really excited about right now at the Muse are kind of translating our content into video, into online courses, into some other formats that we haven't even dreamed up yet. But we have a wealth of content that's all written uh, that you can find on amuse.com slash advice. But what is the next way? What do we turn that into next? So I'm thinking a lot about that right now, and, and it's really exciting. And then the Muse founders, Catherine and Alex, just published a book called The New Rules of Work. And it basically is an A to Z guide to what we've been talking about today, which is finding work you love, and then succeeding once you get there. So actually, it's a great read if you're feeling stuck. There's all kinds of topics in there, you know, resumes and cover letters and interviewing and impressing your boss. But my favorite part of it is the beginning where you sort of walk through your personal career values and then use that information to weigh all of the different job possibilities in front of you. And I think if I had had this when I was early in my career or making my career change, it would have been a lot easier. Aside from your work at the Muse, can you give us a quick snapshot of the freelance work you're doing for early stage companies, which I know is a new exciting initiative for you personally? Yes. So as I mentioned, I really love kind of the early days of startup life. And one of the things that I'm really excited to work on outside of the Muse is helping other early stage companies figure out their content strategy and building editorial teams. And I'm also saving some time for my own creative projects. Interesting. Well, I'll be looking forward to hearing how that goes for you. And from your articles and our conversation today, I can definitely tell you I find your guidance very practical and grounded in reality. So I'm sure people who work with you will gain a lot of value. And I just wanted to thank you so much for telling us more about the life of an editor and some tips on networking in a way that works for you and also the importance of taking manageable steps towards your goals that aren't too overwhelming. So best of luck with your new role at The Muse, Adrian, and your own freelance consulting work. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Adrian's thoughts on her life as an editor, ways to control the direction of your career, and building bridges between where you are right now and where you want to go. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about taking a patient, strategic approach to reshaping your career. 
Thanks to Brand Yourself for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Brand Yourself offers simple tools and services to help control what people find when they Google you. To clean up, protect, and improve how you look online, visit brandyourself.com and use promo code RELAUNCH to get 50% off a premium membership. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a few of my closing thoughts on today's conversation and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward in your own career. So for today's Mental Fuel, I just want to do a quick debrief on the career story Adrian just shared, because she's illustrated how making manageable incremental shifts to your job can eventually add up to the big changes you want for your career. So when you think about the components of your job, it's generally made up of five things. The location where you work, sector you're in, organization you work for, function you're in, and specific role you have within that function. And there are also things like culture, projects, teams, etc. But these are the five big ones I want to focus on today and generally the ones I focus on with my clients. So if you look at Adrian's story, for example, she's really illustrated what's possible if you make successive steps toward where you want to go instead of trying to do it in one fell swoop. She could have tried to make the leap from working as a marketing manager in Washington, D.C. to suddenly becoming an editor in New York City. But instead, she talked about the concept of taking a bridge job, which does exactly what it says. It creates a bridge between where you are and where you want to go. So instead of trying to change everything at once, she changed only one to two things at a time. She shifted sectors from marketing brands to marketing at George Washington University. Then she shifted functions within GW from marketing into print editorial work. Then she shifted her role from print editorial to online editorial, and then shifted companies from online editorial at GW to online editorial at The Muse. And then she changed locations, staying within The Muse, but moving from the West Coast to New York City. You get the point. Now she's created the life and career she wants. It didn't happen overnight, but she eventually got there by taking a series of patient, strategic steps, each one building on the next, always moving her closer and closer to her target role. So this captures the difference between trying to make a career move in one fell swoop versus taking strategic, successive steps that build on one another and eventually culminate in the change you want. Now, I'm talking about this because sometimes the people who attend my workshops, they want to make a career change in one fell swoop, trying to change the industry, company, function, and role all at once. Now, I'm not saying that can't be done. Anything is possible. And I'm sure someone out there who's listening has probably managed to pull that off. But from what I've seen in both my own career and the careers of clients I work with, building strategic bridges one at a time, in other words, changing individual elements of your job one at a time, is often what ultimately gets you where you want to go. It requires more patience, but it at least keeps you moving forward toward your destination instead of just being stuck. Think of it like unlocking one of those four-digit combination padlocks, you know, the ones with the little dials. It's definitely possible to land on the right combination by moving all the dials at once, but it's generally a lot easier if you move the numbers one at a time. So I got to end here with something Dr. Ian Smith said, who's an American physician, and he was talking about changing habits and weight loss in this particular context. But I think the same concept is relevant here when it comes to making career changes. I'm going to paraphrase here, but he said, when people try to change too much at once, it becomes overwhelming and they end up giving up. So gradually changing can make much more of a difference than trying to change everything all at once. 
So my challenge to you is to decide on the next bridge you're going to build in your career. Which shift will you make to move yourself in the direction of your dream job? Will it be location, sector, organization, function, or role? Pick only one for now, then decide what one small manageable action you'll take this week to start building that bridge. Now, if you want some help plotting out your next move, I've created a simple exercise to help you get started with mapping out those steps you need to take to get from where you are to where you want to go. You can download this free worksheet at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 19, where you can also find a link to a few of Adrian's articles I referenced, along with a link to that book by the Muses founder she mentioned, The New Rules of Work. While you're there, you can also leave me a comment or voicemail if you've got a follow-up question you want answered on a future show. I love hearing from listeners like you, so you can contact me right there at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 19. Thanks so much for being a subscriber and being part of the Career Relaunch community. And a special thanks again to Adrian Granzella Larson for sharing her career story. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.